0: going to begin by reading today Exodus chapter 6 verses 28 uh, on to chapter 7 verse 7. This sets the stage for what God is going to do. Exodus chapter 6 verse 28. On the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? Now i pause there for a moment. This is where we left off last week. We left off with Moses' questions. Deliverance is not coming the way that the people of Israel even Moses himself expected, but God had declared that, that there would be, uh, it would not be easy. That Pharaoh would resist God's plan of deliverance. Setting the stage for this battle where God shows his power. And so in chapter 7 to 10, we see God's response. We see what God is going to do first in word, chapters, uh, verses 1 through 7 of chapter 7, and then in deed. So let's see what God says to Moses in chapter 7, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and the Lord, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. So these verses summarize what God is about to do. This is the fifth time that the Lord has declared to Moses or through Moses what he is planning to do. And he declares first of all the way that he will deliver his people. He says that he will harden Pharaoh's heart and send many signs and wonders and great acts of judgment upon them. And, and through this, God declares then the reason that he will do this. Verse 5. That the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. That they would acknowledge that he is sovereign Lord over all. That he is the one and only true and living God. All these things are tied up in the name of the Lord, as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. And so God wants the Egyptians to know who he is through these judgments that he would, he would bring upon them. He would display his power and authority even over their lives and their land. This phrase, you will know that I am the Lord, is, is going to be repeated twice more in chapter 8 verses 22 to 24 um, and also chapter 10 verses 1 and 2. God through Moses also declares in chapter 8 verse 10 this is going to happen so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord. So God wants them to know who he is and that there is no one like him. That phrase, there is no one like the Lord, appears again in chapter 9. So these two phrases, that that they shall know that I am the Lord and that there is no one like the Lord, define for us God's purpose in bringing about these plagues of judgment, bringing Israel out through these plagues. Miraculous signs and plagues. Right from the very beginning, God's purpose was that these great judgments would reveal his power and his authority. That all would see that no one is greater, that no one is stronger than God because he, he alone is the Lord. He alone is sovereign over all the earth. And so we see that what God declares in these verses, the uh, chapter 7, verses 1 through 7, he demonstrates in the remainder of the chapter. First, he demonstrates it in chapter 8, or 7, verse 8 to 12, with a sign. God gave Pharaoh the sign of the staff turning into a serpent. And after this demonstration of power, God sends nine great plagues of judgment, followed by a tenth and final plague. It's four chapters of Scripture to read the entire account of the plagues, and and plus that if you add on the 10th plague. So this morning we're going to take just a short tour of the 10th plagues to consider uh, not only what happened, but again be reminded of why, why this is happening, what God is revealing to us through these plagues. The first plague that God sends is the river, the Nile River, turning to blood. Exodus chapter 7, verses 14 to 24, if you would like to follow along. In some ways, this was not, not too bad. The people, we are told in verse 24, dug along the Nile River for water to drink. They could not drink the water of the Nile. They had a natural means of avoiding the implications of what God was revealing to them. But in, even though in some ways we start small, so to speak, it's still rather shocking, this plague upon the Nile River, for the Egyptian believed that the the nile was the, the divine source of life for the land without it in many ways it's true if there was a famine if the if the nile did not overflow, flow the banks and flood the deltas their crops would suffer and so they saw this as, as a sign of the the nile rivers divine power and god says By this, you will know that I am the Lord. Chapter 7, verse 17. When he would turn the water of the Nile into blood. God is revealing that he is the Lord. The second plague is... uh, Chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. And here, there are frogs everywhere. Frogs were also viewed as a, as a sign of the divine. They were a symbol of one of the, the uh, Egyptian gods. I did not write down the name. But again, in every way, almost all of these plagues touch on something that the people would have viewed as divine or would have attributed to the work of the gods. And God is displaying to the people this pagan nation that he alone is God, that he has power even over those things that they would say were gods. The frogs must have been an awful inconvenience. It says that they were they would hop about and, and God says, let me read verse three the Nile will will swarm with frogs and shall come up into your house, into your bedroom, on your bed, into the houses of your servants and your people, into your ovens and your kneading bowls. And God says that they will even come up to you, Pharaoh, and to your people. None of them could escape. This sign that God was showing them, there is none like the Lord, verse 10. Moses said, be it as you say, so that you may know there is no one like the Lord our God. God even allowed Pharaoh to determine the time he would take away the plague of the frogs so that it would be clear that that God had the power to do that. He had the power to bring the plague, and he had the power to take it away. The third plague, I call it the plague of nasty insects, round one, because uh, there's another one after that. Some more insects. But the first plague is the plague of gnats, or some translations uh, translate lice or mosquitoes. It's not exactly clear what type of insect we're talking about, but it was a nuisance. It was a plague. It was not at all pleasant. And in this plague, we learn that the magicians, who had been up to this point uh, replicating the plague, they had made some frogs appear out of nowhere, and they had turned some kind of water into blood or some kind of blood-like substance. But now we see that they, they don't have any power before the lure. Not only can they not reproduce some, some little gnats, some little fleas or, or some kind of insect, they, they also can't do anything about it. They can't take that plague away. The magicians are powerless. The wise men of the people are powerless before the Lord. We can read that plague in, in uh, Exodus chapter 8, verses 16 to, to 19. And then come nasty in- insects, round two, swarms of flies, they are a nuisance. They lay their eggs and they infest the land and swarm the ground. And in this plague, too, God reveals, verse 22 and 23 and 24, he says that I will set apart the land of Goshen, the land where my people dwell, So that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. And the Lord did so. So God again is revealing that he is the Lord. And he reveals that he is Lord by making a a distinction between those that are his And those that are not, those that are not his are under the wrath of God experiencing this swarm of flies. And those that are his, God withholds his wrath, that he has the power to do this, the right to do this, for he is the Lord. Well, it doesn't end after plague four, there's plague five. Animal diseases upon the livestock, and the horses and the donkeys and the camels and the herds and the flocks, chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. And again, verse 4 of chapter 9 says the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of israel and the livestock of egypt so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of israel shall die and not only that verse 5 tells us the lord set a time saying tomorrow the lord will do this thing in the land and the next day the lord did this thing so not only is god revealing there is a distinction between my people those that are are mine, and those that have rebelled against me, those that do not worship me alone. God also reveals that he has the power to set a time when something should take place. Truly he is Lord of all. Chapter 9, verses 8 through 12 tell us the sixth plague, a plague of painful sores that was on the animals, was on the people as well. And yet again, we're reminded that that God is stronger than the magicians, the wise people of Egypt. Chapter 9, verse 11 says, The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils came upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. They were not exempt by their wise and powerful arts. All men, all the Egyptians were judged. Plagues seven and eight, the crops are destroyed. First, by a massive, fiery hailstorm, chapters 9, verses 13 to 35, and then by the locusts that came and ate all that was left, chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. And through these two plagues, which are the longest of the accounts, as they increase, in intensity and in the consequences that they would have on the, on the people and on the land. Their entire livelihood was being destroyed. Animals and, and, uh, and livestock was a small portion of, of the economy and the livelihood of the people of Egypt, but the crops were huge in the, their economy, and so God destroys them all. The fiery plague, God says, will take place so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Chapter 9, verse 14, and now verse 16, or verse 15, rather. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. Oh, that's a threat. God says, I could have destroyed you by now. But he says this in verse 16. But for this purpose, I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. For you are still exalting yourself against my people. And will not let them go. God was not going to allow Pharaoh's pride and stubbornness to go unpunished. Indeed, he prolongs what happens to show his power over even Pharaoh. In that plague, the plague of hail that devastated the land, verses 20 and 21 reveal that some of the people feared the word of the Lord and they hid their slaves and their livestock in the houses and others of them did not. And we see the consequences of that choice when God rains down judgment. Yet again, the people of Israel, their land, there was no hail. Chapter 9, verse 26. In the plague of locusts, when the the second round of the crops were destroyed, God again says, you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 2. Moses said, or the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh. I've hardened his heart, the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them. And that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So here God not only wants Egypt to know, but he wants the the future generations of the people of Israel to know that that God had done these things. That he's revealing his power and authority for all to see. Well, the ninth plague is a plague of darkness. In those days... You couldn't travel or work at night. They didn't have lights like we have. Their little lantern would reveal as much light as that candle could, could uh, let off. And so God puts life on hold. The people remain in their houses, afraid, alone, wondering what God would do next. Chapter 10 ends after this plague of darkness and Pharaoh has still hardened his heart. But God is not finished and the 10th plague, which we will talk more about next week in conjunction with Passover and considering the redemption of God's people. It was also a great And costly judgment upon those that did not apply the blood of the lamb to the doorposts. Those that did not acknowledge the authority of God were judged. And so Pharaoh and all the sons of Egypt, the firstborn males, died in that tenth plague. Which we can read about chapters 11 and 12 of Exodus. Over and over and over, from the river turning to blood to flaming hail and locusts and darkness across the land, God is revealing his power and authority. The magicians were helpless, Pharaoh was powerless. At different times, We didn't highlight these things as we went through really quickly, but Pharaoh pleads with Moses to stop the plagues because the the magicians can't help them. He can do nothing. So he asks Moses to relieve the pressure. And, And he promises many of those times to let the people go. But when life is getting a little bit back to normal again, He refuses to let them go. He's stubborn in spite of all of the the patience of God. Again and again, he refuses to submit to the Lord. Three times, Pharaoh even bargains with Moses to try and to keep them from leaving the land of Egypt. He offers them a compromise. Do this, and I will let you worship God. But each time, was he going to? We don't know, because Pharaoh or Moses said, No, we will obey the Lord. They would do everything that God had commanded them to do. They would leave Egypt completely with their families, with their livestock to go and serve the Lord. Each time they remain faithful to God, their Lord, their sovereign, and each time Pharaoh hardens his heart and does not give in, just as the Lord had said. The magicians were powerless, Pharaoh... verse 12 and Numbers uh, chapter 33 verse 4 that the plagues were God's judgment against the gods of Egypt that each plague is demonstrating that there is no power greater than the power of God and he alone is worthy of honor, power, authority, and worship. Not only is the power of God greater, but God is in control. He is in control of the timing of each plague, when it would start and when it would end and where it would happen and how it would happen. In every way, our God has the authority. In every way, God is sovereign. There's no one like him. There's no power that can match his strength. No ruler of man who can stand before him. No single sphere of life is untouched. From the locusts, To the king of Pharaoh of Egypt, God is in control. And sometimes it's hard to bridge the gap between then and now. We don't always see God as the awesome God who has the right to destroy nations at judgment. But God remains the same. He is still sovereign. He is still the Lord of all, the one to whom every person, man, woman, and child is held accountable for who they serve, who they love in this life, who they live for. And so God's sovereignty is a terrible thing for those who refuse to acknowledge the authority that he has over their lives, over their life, over the time that they should be born and the time that they should die. Those who exalt themselves like Pharaoh will not escape his wrath. The author of Hebrews reminds us it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. And our God is a consuming fire. Do we believe that it is a terrible thing to stand opposed to God? But on the flip side, we need to understand that God's sovereignty is the greatest comfort that we have if we trust in his rule. There is no greater comfort than to know that the God who is greater than all powers is our God as he was Israel's God and protector. Now, that doesn't mean that Israel didn't suffer. We saw last week, deliverance didn't come quite the way that they were expecting. They thought it would be instant and they would be free and happy and in the land of Canaan. And if they only knew the 40 years of wilderness that would come because they didn't listen to God. But it's so it's not easy. It's not instant. There's hard times. The one great hope that we have as those who trust in God is that we are safe from his wrath. Amen. We have great comfort in the sovereignty of God because in his sovereignty, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross in his timing so that those who believe in him might be saved, saved from the wrath to come. This is the hope that we have in Christ so that any trouble, any tribulation we can walk through because our God is our protector. Our God is our deliverer and he is like no other. Will we trust his rule with our lives, with our all? Or will we continue to oppose him? Will we seek to be the one that is in control of our destiny? Hope that we will heed this awesome picture of our God. That we will not forget that he is sovereign. That we will remember his power is greater than any other. No gods, no men, nothing in all of nature is greater than the power of God. And he has authority over all things. He is able to judge. He is able to (laughs) save.